All right, good morning, Three Circle. Great to be with you guys today as we continue our Christmas series, Prince of Peace. We have our campuses joining us right now and those online. It's going to be a great day as we dive into God's Word now together. We are in the middle of a series called Prince of Peace. And you know, when it comes to peace, we all kind of know internally that we long for peace, right? We all want peace. That's why we say things like, if I could just have a little what and quiet, a little peace and quiet, right? We love peace. Every pageant contestant of all time has longed for world peace. Um, we want peace. The problem is we, we can't pull it off. And that's the point of our series this year. Every year at Christmas, we take a different angle on this incredible truth of Christmas. And this year, the angle is the angle of peace. And we cannot achieve peace. We can only receive it. Peace cannot be achieved. It can only be received. It's the point of the whole series. Now, now, we have tried this achieving a peace thing before. If you walked into our campus today at any of our campuses, you jump online, you'll see that we kind of have a throwback look going this year for Christmas. All the decor, the trees, everything looks like something that happened a long time ago. And it's very specific. It's the 1960s. The 1960s, I don't remember them. I wasn't alive, but I heard a lot about them. And here's what I know. I know that, that this guy had one of his best musical runs during the 60s. Uh-huh. And, uh, and not only him, but he inspired this group of guys to come over from England, and, and, and they were pretty good, the Beatles. And uh, that's a lot of teeth in one picture right there, y'all. But uh, and they want you to see them. Like, look at our teeth. Uh, so the Beatles. But that's as much as all that was great. The thing we're wanting to point you to in the 1960s is this, the peace movement. The peace movement of the 1960s was a was an attempt, an admirable attempt, by the way. It's not like we had bad goals, but it was an attempt to achieve peace. And, and I would offer you today that waking up in 2023, we can all collectively say it didn't work. It didn't work because the whole thing about the peace movement was let's stop war. Let's stop racial inequality. Let's stop injustice. Let's stop all of these things. And it didn't work. We've not stopped those things. We wake up today and all of that stuff's still happening. Why? Because we can't achieve peace. We can only receive it. And we got the sequence wrong and the order wrong. So we need a Prince of Peace. So we need Christmas. We need the baby we celebrate who was born to bring us peace. So let's go there now, Isaiah 9, 6, and let's see how can we receive this peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for to us, that's good news. He came for us. That's just, let's just start there. He came for you. Do you realize what good news that is? He came for us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and here is our series. Here's what our Christmas is this year, Prince of Peace. The Bible tells us here the son was given. It means the father sent his son, on a mission, by the way, and in his function as the son of God, willingly submitting to his father and coming for us, he calls himself the prince of peace. A prince is still operating under the authority of his father. Jesus was fully equal to his father, but willingly submitted to him to bring us peace. So God chose one of the official titles of Christ, to be the Prince of Peace. It's an official title. This isn't a title we gave him. It's a title heaven gave him. Now, we gave Jesus other titles. By the way, almost all of them that you read in the Gospels are derogatory. They were titles given to him by those who hated him. For instance, we celebrate that he was the friend of sinners because we all realize that means he's our friend, right? How many of you are glad Jesus was the friend of sinners? Absolutely, because I wouldn't have a chance otherwise. 
But here's the deal. It was not meant to be a compliment. The Pharisees called him the friend of sinners because he was breaking all their rules. He wasn't hanging out with the right crowd and they hated him for it. He was called a drunkard. Did you know that? They made the point. They're like, John the Baptist came. He didn't touch anything. Jesus came eating and drinking with everyone. And, and uh, pretty sure the Baptists were the ones that started that rumor. But anyway, I'm just having a little fun. Guys, just don't get so mad about everything. So, so Jesus had all of these names given to him and, and they were derogatory. But heaven gave him titles. And those are the titles we need to look at closely. What are the titles that God gave his son? And one of them is Prince of Peace. He comes to bring us peace. So why don't we hear from the horse's mouth what kind of peace he came to bring. Jesus actually talked a lot about his peace. One of our, we call them anchor verses for this entire series is John 14, 27. It says this, this is Jesus talking to us. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So it's like a gift he gives us. He points this out. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he tells you the result of someone who walks in his peace. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now he just spelled out a lot there. One thing he gave us is a sequence. The last thing that happens is that our hearts get less troubled. We want to start there. We want to start out there with let's get rid of all the trouble. And we don't understand that there's a sequence to this peace Jesus gives us. But first of all, let's look at the characteristics of his peace. Jesus gives us peace that is unique, it is life-changing, and it is supernatural. Jesus says, my peace is not like that of the world. Well, then what kind of peace does the world offer that's so different than Jesus' peace? Well, it's the peace movement. The peace movement said, to, to achieve peace, we have to stop war, stop inequalities, stop strife, stop hatred, Okay? And they gave it a really good shot. Give peace a chance, man. You know what I mean? And, and I admire it. It didn't work. It came from a place that we as humans desire. We couldn't pull it off. And Jesus says, that's not what I'm offering you. In fact, Jesus used a specific word. We'll learn it. Hopefully you'll remember it. It's, it's this word shalom. Shalom was an ancient word for peace that did not mean the absence of bad circumstances, the absence of hatred and all that. And here's why, guys, can we just own this? You, you live in a fallen world. This is a fallen world. It's a world where there's war and injustices and inequalities and bad stuff happens. Tornadoes wreck towns like they did last night. And we pray for the people of Hendersonville in Tennessee who right now are coming out of the rubble of what happened overnight. It's where shootings take place and we have that happen. It's where war takes place. War is never fair. There's always innocent bystanders no matter what side you're looking at, I promise you. And so we, but, but guys, listen, Jesus walked into our mess our messy world. We live in a fallen world. We're in the in-between, in between Jesus coming and in between when he's coming back again. And it's a mess right now. Jesus does not promise that all the mess will get cleaned up. He promises he's going to clean you up while you're in the middle of that mess. He brings peace to his people in the middle of this fallen world. His peace is not like the world's. It's supernatural. It's life-changing. We're not the same once we walk in his peace. We're different people. We're different husbands and wives. We're different parents. We're different coworkers. We're different people when we walk in his peace. And the sequence of peace is important because we get it backwards. The peace movement in the 1960s got it backwards. It always starts with God 
It always then goes to within us. And then finally, it affects how we treat others. Everything we've ever tried to do as humans when it comes to peace started out there. But the Bible's clear it's got to start in here and with God. So we learned last week, the first piece of the sequence is, Jesus came to bring peace between us and God. And how about those majestic verses we read last week in Romans? We've been reconciled to our Father by the blood of his Son, by the death of his Son, by the cross. Jesus has reconciled us to our Father. Are we thankful for that this Christmas? Amen? We are thankful for that. Okay. But what, what's the next part of the sequence? What Jesus promises when he makes peace with us, with God, he then begins to do something inside of us. He brings peace inside of us, within us. And that's what we need to talk about today because we, unlike what Jesus said, he said, if you have my peace, you don't have to have troubled hearts. You don't have to be afraid. Too many of us do have troubled hearts. In fact, I got to be honest with you. There's time I, I preach with a troubled heart. I'm a human. I don't know if you know this. Jesus, Je- I, I'm, I'm like working for Jesus. Jesus sitting standing here right now. Okay, you got me. I'm sorry. And I got bills to pay just like you. And I got sick family members that I'm worried about. And I've got kids that I worry about because I'm a human. And, and uh, you know, unfortunate college choices take place. For those of you that know that I've got a child going in, in a direction that, that we're just praying about. And uh, anyway, it's a whole joke. I'm just like you, man. Everybody stand. We're just humans. We're all together. So you know what happens sometimes? I have a troubled heart. How many of you know what it's like to come into church and you want to worship, but your heart's troubled? Anybody? Yeah. And so here's, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus promises to get in the middle of that with us. This Christmas, get right where we are and work with us on that and bring peace to our internal life. Now, you need to understand, we all have an external life and an internal life. You have a part of you that I can see right now. I can see you, your hands, your faces. You, you have a body. You have behaviors. But the Bible's going to teach us today there's a more important part. It's not saying that that's not important. It's saying there's a more important part of you, and it's the invisible part of you. We call it the heart, soul, and mind. The inner life. And that is where Jesus brings his peace into our inner lives. And so we're going to look at today, and I hope, listen, I hope that this will be helpful to you, and I hope that you will never forget this, what Jesus is going to do in your life with his peace, okay? And, and the Bible's so clear about it, but I just think a lot of us have never looked at what the, the peace of God functionally does in our lives. So today we're going to see two words that the Bible uses to describe how Jesus' peace works inside of us, and here they are. Biblical peace guards and rules our inner person. Guards and rules. Now, those two words sound very similar. I want you to know today they're two different things, and both are needed, and God offers both to us. Now, let me illustrate this for you in a way that I hope will be memorable, okay? I experienced this five days a week for like a long time, being a dad, taking kids to school. My wife and I do, I bet a lot of you do, but this is ubiquitous, it's all over our, our culture, okay? And, and it's this person right here, you see this person? Y'all seen that, right? That's a traffic person, and we are so grateful for them, and I'm going to tell you, this is going to become center of the story today. So that person stands at intersections, and in particular where there's schools, they're running the traffic, right? 
And they stand there at an intersection, and everything's coming through that intersection. You got kids walking, you got cars coming from all directions, everyone's trying to get to the school, and that person has been put in charge. In fact, there may be signs that are already there that someone else put there, and that person's like, don't look at the signs, look at me. I'm the boss right now. Those signs mean nothing as long as I'm standing here, right? And so the other morning, a few weeks ago, as I was preparing for this, I was like, God, give me something to help stick this to everybody's brain. And as I pulled up to that intersection, all of this just clicked in my brain. Because as I was pulling up, I was first in line, and all of a sudden, the lady who's amazing, I don't know her name, she's awesome, she does a great job, she looks at me and goes, <laughs> with a look in her eyes, she had the whistle in her mouth, but a look in her eyes that basically said, I will tear you out of that car if you take a... <laughs> and I hit the brakes. I stopped, and 100 cars behind me stopped, gladly, right? Because I didn't want any... I didn't want that, all right? I didn't, want, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but she looked serious, okay? So she stopped. Watch this, though. So she's got two hands. This is how peace works. With one hand, she guarded that intersection. With one hand, she said, y'all, don't come in here. You stay there. With her other hand, I watched this, and this is where it clicked. She looked at another bunch of cars and did this number. She said, come on. And what she did with the, sa- the one person guarded the intersection, and ruled it. She said to some, stay out. She said to others, come on. You turn here, you come on. She looked at kids. Come on, you can walk now. She, every now and then she'd give me a glance like you. <laughs> right? And then when it was my turn, she became a different person. She's kind of got a stern look. She looks at me and goes. It's <laughs> man. All right, so. So watch this. We have not understood how peace works. The Bible's going to teach you today that peace does those two things. That Jesus wants to get in the intersection of your life. Your intersection that is so very important, so very crucial, where everything can go wrong, bad things can happen in that intersection unless it's well-ordered. That's your inner life. That's your soul, heart, and mind. It's where everything's happening. Jesus wants you to put him in that intersection and give him the authority and put that best on him. So that he can run it. And he'll get everything where it needs to go. If you'll put him in the intersection. In fact, the Bible defines it for us. And we're going to look at these verses. What does guard mean? Guard means to keep out. Or protect. That's what it means. So guarding is, don't come in this intersection. I got kids walking through here. I got another line of cars. But that's not all the peace of God does. It doesn't just keep things out. It also rules our hearts. And rule means to direct. Hey, come on. Hey, you drive here. Hey, you walk here. So it oversees and directs, and it keeps out, and it protects. And that's exactly how I want you to see peace today. Now, why is this so important? Let me show you why that intersection is so important. The intersection I pull up to every day next to the school where my kids go to school is crucial. Because this particular one, every kid that gets to that school is coming through that intersection. They're all coming through there. Every car. It's coming through there. The, way, the road work right now has forced everyone to that spot. And you got one person holding court right there. Bad things could happen there, couldn't they? A lot of bad things could happen right there. So it's so important. That's what the Bible says about your heart, soul, and mind. It's your intercession. Look what it says, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart. It does not say circumstances. It says heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Why? For from it, what's the it? 
the intersection, heart, soul, mind. From it flows the springs of life. The Bible's telling you everything in your life. You can backtrack every kid at that school back to that intersection some way or another, either by bus, walking, bike, or their parents bringing them. They all came through that intersection that day. And everything in your life, you can backtrack it to your intersection too. That's what the Bible's saying. It's all flowing from your heart, soul, and mind, your inner life. It all is. That's why when people come to me for some marriage help or some family help, it's a huge honor, and, and I love doing it. When they come, though, I often surprise people because they'll come in, and often this man and a woman, they come in, and, and, and they want to talk about what the other one needs to change, like right out of the gate. He spends too much time at the deer camp, and, and she wants me to deal with that. And then he wants me to deal with the fact that she's nagging him about spending too much time at the deer camp. And I'm just giving you one little situation. It's all kinds of different ways, but we are in the South and that tends to be one, okay? So I surprise people though, and you could fill in the blank of a lot of different circumstances for marriages, but I, I will always say this. I will say, because I believe this principle, I will say, tell me about your prayer life and how often you're in the word of God in your lives. And they'll look at me like, no, 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 you don't understand. He's at the deer, you know, they want to go back to that. <laughs> tell me, because watch this. Because I can backtrack what's going on out here to that intersection. And if I can't help you get that intersection right, nothing else is going to be right. Do you see that? That's what, that's what the Word of God is telling us. The peace movement didn't work because it didn't start at the intersection. And yours won't work either. So watch this. Here's a principle. The quality of your inner life will determine, is determining, the quality of your outer life. It is. Listen, if I have a ship that I'm trying to bring into a harbor and that harbor has huge boulders out in it, I need to know where the boulders are and avoid them. Is that right? What's going to happen if I try to break the boulders with my boat? I'm going to break the boat. Is that right? Because the boulders don't move. They've been there since the beginning. You don't break boulders with your boat. You break your boat against the boulders. Am I right? That is true of God's principles. God is telling you, he's telling you that everything in your life is coming out of your inner life. And you will not break his principle. I'll, let me tell you a little secret. You've never broken one of God's principles. Did you know that? Ever. You've ne his principles are unbreakable. You have only broken your life against them. You don't break God's principles. You break your life against them. His, his principles are immovable. You can say all day long, I don't believe that. Okay. Everything in your life, your marriage, your relationship with your children, everything is coming out of the quality of your heart, your soul, and your mind. Okay, if we are to guard our hearts above all things, how do we do that if it's that important? And I got bad news and then good news. The bad news is you can't. The Bible's telling you something so important and then, oh, by the way, you can't pull this off. You can't do it. It's too much, too hard. Watch this. You can't rule your own intersection. You're not qualified to. You'll mess it up. You'll have cars running over people and all kinds of stuff. But here's the hope. You ready for hope? We celebrated at Christmas. Jesus offers you himself. The hope of Christmas is Jesus. And Jesus promises his followers what? What did he say? My peace I will give to you. In other words, Jesus says, give me the vest. Let me stand in that intersection. And I'll change everything. 
I'll get everything where it needs to be, but you got to give me the intersection. you got to give me the authority. And now let's take a look at the scriptural teaching on guarding and ruling our hearts that Jesus will do. The Apostle Paul is going to give us both of these. One of them he writes from a prison cell. That's how we know it's not circumstantial. He's writing about peace in prison. That doesn't make sense. Well, Jesus told us that it would surpass all understanding, that it wouldn't be like the world's. So here we go. Paul first writes about the guard of peace. Remember what guarding is. Keep out. Protect. That lady looking at me. Don't you, don't you roll those tires another inch, sir. I got kids here. Here we go. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's the hope, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard, keep out, your, does it say it'll guard your circumstances? Does it say that it will guard your physical body? Does it say that it'll guard, no, 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 it's not bubble wrapping you. It says, it will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. That's my inner life. This is the promise. That intersection that we're saying is so important, that inner life that's flowing everything else out of it. Jesus says he will guard this. Paul says he will guard this. Now, what does he guard against? Because the lady in the intersection is keeping cars out and people out of that intersection to safely get everyone where they need to go. Well, what does God's peace keep out of our hearts, souls, and minds? Well, here's some of the Bible tell us, right? It tells us these things. Worry, anxiety, fear, and distrust of God are all things that tend to sneak into the intersection when it doesn't need to be there. These things are not good things to have in the intersection of my heart, soul, and mind. The Bible tells us not to worry. Jesus gives eight reasons in the Gospels, explicit reasons to not worry. He does not want his children to worry. He does not want us to be anxious all the time. He does not want his children to be afraid all the time. Now, why does that matter to Jesus? The same reason a few years ago, my two sons both went through a stage. My daughter never has. But my two sons went through a stage where they could have cared less about what they looked like when they left our house. That has all changed. Now it's like, you know, model level. You know what I mean? It's like, we got to get it right. But then they didn't care. So it'd be literally, I remember one particular morning, it's like 30 degrees outside. And they both come walking out, ready to go to school, hair going everywhere, AFCOs. These are short. They had shorts on, T-shirts on. Crocs and that, that kind of stuff. And they're headed, they're going to go to school that way. So I'm like, hey, guys, here's the deal. You can't go to school like that today. I'm sorry. Whoa. <laughs> here's why. Because if I let you go to school that way, look, I love you. And, and it's not that life is all about what people think. That's not going to rule us either. But I did tell them, like, hey, here's the deal. If a kid comes to school on a cold day looking like you look, someone's going to say, who is their dad? And mom, who would let them out of the house like that? And then that path's going to lead to me, buddy, you know? And people go like, wait a minute, I listened to that guy on Sundays and he let his kid. Because watch this, watch, here's the principle. Because there's a reflection on the parent's provision, right? So I was like, how about pants? Let's start there. Covering the skin on a cold day. Let's just start there. Socks would be great today. And maybe splash a little water up there on the beehive that's happening on top of your skull and settle it down. 
Let's just start there, okay? So, so listen, when we as Christians, called by our Father by his name, worry about everything, mad about everything, bitter about everything, afraid of everything, we say to the world, we don't trust him. We're saying to the world, we'll rule our own intersection. We're scared he'll mess it up. But folks, we don't have that. We have a God, the Bible says, who owns the cattle on every hill. That means that he's got everything we need and promises that if he takes care of birds and flowers, he'll take care of you. He promises to give you everything you need. So we've got every reason to put him in that intersection, don't we? To let him rule and reign in our lives. Okay, so it looks bad on our father when we're afraid and scared all the time. He wants us to live in a way that people go, oh, you must have a great dad. And we go, oh, yeah, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about his promises. So peace keeps that stuff out. Okay, well, this begs a question. <clears throat> how do I get Jesus in the intersection? Paul tells you. He says, here's how this happens. By prayer. We unleash this peace how does Jesus get into the intersection of our lives and begin to guard our hearts, souls, and mind? By prayer. We unleash the power of God's peace by prayer. Here's how this works. Years ago on Christmas with my in-laws, they, they're, they're incredibly generous and great gift givers, and they gave me a gift one Christmas. Have you ever gotten a gift on Christmas that you didn't know you needed and you never asked for, but one day you realized, I'm so glad I got this. Anybody ever had that happen? Okay. So they get me a box, and it's a leaf vacuum thing and it was my christmas gift now i was like oh my goodness i thank you so much i didn't even know what it was i'm being honest with you it's christmas time i'm in the spirit i'm like thank you I'm, i figured i'd figure out you know exactly what it was and i get it home and you know i was like well i already have a blower i kind of equated a few things. i've got a leaf blower so i remember i stuck it in the garage on a shelf and just went about my business and then spring came here, and I've got a sawtooth oak and a pecan tree and a bunch of other stuff around my yard that'll drop leaves. But no leaves in the spring, no leaves in the summer. A long time passed. Then fall came, and the leaves started dropping. And I started my thing. You know, a leaf blower is great, but it's just moving stuff around. It's just moving the leaves over here and over there, and as they keep coming, you're just moving a mess around. And I'm raking and sweeping and doing all the things we all do. And it hit me. Wait a minute. I got a gift last year. That's supposed to do all of this. That's right. It was a leaf vacuum, not a leaf blower. I opened the garage. I went and got that box and uncorked that thing. And oh, man, did that change my life. Got a little bag on it, and it vacuums. It doesn't just blow them around. It, like, puts them in a bag. You go put them out at the road. I was taking pictures, sending it to my in-laws. Man, I love this thing. And it's like, oh, you got it a year ago. <laughs> now, watch this. Watch that thing had been mine all along. They gave it to me. Jesus said, you become a Christian, I give you my peace. Watch this. But you're going to have to take it out of the box and turn it on. Now, you can leave it on the shelf if you want. Look at it over there. It's not going to help you. It's yours. But you're going to have to plug it in, turn it on, and watch how it works. Listen, I had spent weeks doing way more work than I had to. And it was there all along. And many of us are there. Jesus is just standing, watching us let the intersection of our lives, the most important piece of our lives, just letting it be a mess. And he's just going, give me the vest. Give me the orange vest and the whistle. 
Let me in the intersection. I'll change that. But you're going to have to obey me. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to get out of the intersection and let me in there. That is what it unleashes. When we pray, we turn on the leaf vacuum, my friends. If you don't have a prayer life, then you're keeping Jesus over there out of that intersection. And it's not just, watch this, it's not just that he'll guard the intersection, he'll also begin to direct it. He will rule it. Look at Colossians 3.15. Here's the other function of God's peace in our lives. And watch this. What's the first phrase that you see there? And let. Everyone say that with me, would you? And let. One more time. And let. That means Jesus is waiting for you to pray him into that intersection. Let, and let the peace of Christ, that's already yours, but you gotta let it. You let the peace of Christ rule. The other one was guard, this one says rule. What does rule mean? Direct, pop, it, telling it what to do, just like the guard at the intersection. Let it rule in your heart, there it is again, my inner life, to which indeed you were called in one body. In other words, it's already yours. Just got to let it work and be thankful, okay? So here again, we see that not only does it guard, keep stuff out, but it rules. It tells me what I need to be thinking and how through his word. And so I begin to go, wow, I'm in a tough situation, but God tells me this and I'm either going to believe what the world says or what God says. I'm either going to obey my own heart or, or the culture. Or I'm going to obey what God says. That's how we keep Jesus in the intersection. And the Bible says here, we choose whether or not to let the peace that's already ours do its thing. And let me make this clear to everyone in this room. It's true of me too. Something or someone is ruling every human heart right now. The human heart must be ruled. Something rules your heart. Who is that or what is that? Who or what rules your heart? The thing that drives you the most. And I want to give you some of the more common ones that the Bible tells us to not allow into the intersection. The Bible warns you, don't put that orange vest on these things. These do not need to rule your inner life. And they are emotions, circumstances, and desires and appetites. Those are poor heart rulers. Those are destructive heart rulers. You don't want that in your intersection, ruling and reigning. That'll mess everything up. You get the wrong person running one of these intersections next to a school, we got a problem. And I'll tell you right now, we got the best, like where I am at least, my kids are in the Fairhope area, they're all amazing. I just, I just tip my hat to them because I think I'd start throwing stuff at people, you know what I mean? And they're just so kind and they just keep it all together. They're great. Well, Jesus promises that he'll do the same for us but too many of us are allowing these things. Talk about emotions. If your emotions are ruling the intersection of your inner life, you're a mess, man. And the people around you, by the way, are a mess. Because if the intersection goes, everyone connected to it is affected. Is that right? So listen, if, you, if your anger, moms, dads, if your anger is what rules your heart, it's the boss in the intersection, your anger issues, then, then it's a mess. It's a mess. If your emotions, also if you're one of those people that's like either way over here or way over here, well then it's a mess. There's no consistency. Emotions are God-given, but they are not to rule our intersections of our inner lives. Only truth can do that. Only God can do that. And so 
Too many of us are allowing our emotions. We're high and low. We're anxious, frantic, angry. That's a good message to hear right before political season, isn't it? What's going to rule the intersection? Not only that, those circumstances. Many of us are like this. If things are good in our life, then we're good. If our circumstances are good, if the money's coming in, if the bills are paid, if my kids are doing well and they're popular and they're making the team or making the dance team or making the cheer team or whatever, then then I'm happy. But you let any of that stuff get rocked and I'm rocked. If your circumstances are what is the final rule and reign in the intersection of your inner life, you're going to be a mess, I'm telling you, because Jesus didn't promise to fix your circumstances. He promised to fix you in the middle of your circumstances. Paul's circumstances never got better, ever. His prison sentences just keep going. It's never good. It's like shipwreck, get beat up in this city. Oh, I'm back in prison. Oh, and it did finally end one day at the end of an ax when Nero had him beheaded. So circumstances never got better. All we got is like most of the New Testament out of it. Paul just kept saying, I got peace, I've got contentment that this world cannot take from me because I've got Jesus in that intersection, okay? Circumstances, don't let that rule you. Don't let that reign in your life. Let truth rule and reign in your life. And then finally, our appetites and our desires. Now, these are God-given. God God created us this way. We hunger and we thirst, so we have appetites that drive us. Hunger and thirst are very powerful, When I was a kid playing ball, I would drink some nasty water out of an old garden water hose. If they forgot to bring those Gatorade jugs of water, I'm like, just give me some water. I would just drink it because I have a desire, right? Listen, but those desires cannot rule and reign your life. You've got to let Jesus run them, not them run you. We have sexual desires, relational desires. None of us are here without that, just helping you out here. It's how God made it. Everybody's like, did he just go there? Yes, God made it. It's all right. Listen, you have that, but you let that rule and reign that intersection. Hello, how much of a disaster is that? We have appetites and desires. You want comfort. You want success. Some of us are driven by, we want to do something great. Okay, that, God gave you all that. But if that rules and reigns the intersection of your inner life, it's a mess. And not just for you but for everyone connected to you. That's why the Bible says everything's flowing out of it. But too many of us spend most of our energy outside of the intersection when everything's flowing from it. And the Bible's telling us that God's peace, if we'll let it, if we'll put him in the intersection, will guard and direct and rule our lives. It becomes, he becomes the boss in the intersection of our lives. And this is how the Christian life is to be characterized. Listen, church, this is what the Christian life looks like. It looks like people walking in shalom, biblical peace. That's what it looks like. And you cannot achieve this. You must receive this, but what you can do and must do, according to Paul, is pray and let Jesus into that intersection. You get out of it and you get the other stuff out. You say, Jesus, I want you to rule and you to guard my heart, my soul, and my mind. Amen? Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're teaching us through this series. May today be another, another time where your truth settles into our hearts, souls, and minds and, and changes us from the inside out. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen.